This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We are back with a new episode. I'm your host, Tyler Hurley, here with Robbie Lashua. What is going on, Tyler? What is going on, indeed? We are super excited to be back with you guys. We're going to be talking about how doubts can strengthen our faith. Yes, this is a big deal because so many uh, Christians believe that um, doubt is the opposite of belief. Yes, which that's is something stupid, that's right? common. Yeah, I, I think it's a lousy statement. Like A lot it of is. people say that. They'll say, you should not have any doubt at all. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense. No. Um, and the opposite of belief is unbelief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right. Of course so it is. Doubt. Yeah. Everybody has doubt. So yeah, we're going to get into mm-hmm. that today, which is going to be a good because doubt can be a strengthening agent for our faith. Of course. But before we do that, I have a coffee tip for today. We start every yes. show with a coffee tip. That's the coffee of Christ culture and coffee. And so this one is a uh, pretty interesting. And when I was, when I was looking into this tip, it reminded me of a phenomenal joke. Mm. And my kids say this all the time, but it goes back to this YouTube video that they saw. Um, there's mm-hmm. these little kids and they're eating ice cream. And one of the girls says, my dad has a gold tooth. And the other girl goes, what? And she says, yeah, my dad has a gold tooth. And then the other girl says, my dad has diabetes. <laughs> it's up. so funny. Yeah. It's hilarious. My dad has diabetes. Anyway, um, so with that in mind, the tip for the day is this. Coffee can help decrease your risk of type 2 diabetes. Yeah, don't be like that girl's dad. Do not. And do don't not. get diabetes. Don't. Take this coffee tip. <laughs> Take you know? this coffee yeah. tip, yeah. So the recent studies suggest that how you consume coffee, how much or how little, can have an effect on diabetes. Yeah. So this study looked at uh, caffeinated, so this has to do with mm. caffeine, not decaf, caffeinated coffee consumption. And this test was done, this study was done over a four-year period. So the people who increased their coffee drinking by more than one cup a day mm. had an 11% lo- lower risk of getting type 2 diabetes. Mm, but nice. people who decreased their coffee drinking more than one cup increased their risk of type 2 diabetes by 17%. So think about that. When people increase their coffee consumption, diabetes went down 11%, Hmm. the risk. When people decrease their coffee, the risk of diabetes went up 17%. Yeah. So this seems to imply that drinking caffeinated coffee helps lower your risk for type 2 diabetes. That's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Now, the one caveat with all of this, and we got to be careful, right? Is I don't want you, I don't want anybody out there thinking, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to drink a <clears throat> venti caramel frappuccino with whipped cream and extra caramel drizzle on top of it every day to lower my risk of type 2 diabetes. Because <laughs> that is That'll how you will your get, risk of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, how you will yeah. get type 2 diabetes. The cream and the sugar can, can counteract this entire thing. Yeah, absolutely okay? do, yeah. So don't fill your body with sugar every day. Don't fill it with a bunch of sugared cream every day. That's not healthy yeah, for you. Yeah, you could have a little bit. But a like, little bit, but caffeinated yeah. coffee helps to lower the risk. So mm-hmm. we want to we be careful with that distinction. Correct. So that's your coffee tip for today. If you want to lower your risk of type 2 diabetes, maybe drink a little bit more coffee. Yes, I like that. Yep, I like Sounds it too. Good. Well, let's get into the topic for today. 
So doubt Mm -hmm. and how doubt can actually strengthen our faith. Mm, So I've been thinking a lot about um, all these Christians who are, you know, deconstructing and coming out and saying, I'm no longer a Christian. I don't believe in Christianity anymore. And you ask them about it and it's they have these unresolved doubts. And so I've I've been thinking about this a lot. When we doubt in isolation... When we keep it to ourselves, when we don't let other people in on it, when we hide it, and we let these things build up in our minds, that usually brings deconstruction. Yeah. Doubting in isolation equals deconstruction. However, if we doubt in Christian community, it actually strengthens our faith. Hmm. Doubting in Christian community can strengthen our faith. And that's what we want to talk about today. How can doubts strengthen our faith? Yeah, and that's kind of what we want to touch on. But before we get into that, we want to kind of break it down for you guys on what the different types of doubt that there are. Yep. So uh, I'm going to start off with this. Uh, doubt typically starts as factual doubt. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's something that's concerned with evidence, right? Uh, the remedy for that is if you actually have an intellectual doubt or something on a factual doubt, uh, you would often be satisfied with just having the evidence provided to you. And that would be enough. Yep. So that's kind of how it, how it usually can go. Um, someone who struggled with factual doubt, in fact, uh, we can see in the New Testament was Thomas, right? Yeah. And a lot of people call him Doubting Thomas, right? Yeah. That's his nickname. I always think that's so. a bad nickname. He's like uh, Smart Thomas, I think. He's like... Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not just going to believe and in fairy tales, Thomas. Oftentimes, uh, I've heard people, and not all people, but I've heard a lot of people use that nickname, uh, Doubting Thomas, in a condescending way. Like, oh, don't be like Doubting Thomas, like the yeah. the one who doubted the Savior. No, 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 no. no. I think he's the smart one. Though. I do, too. And, and that's... So, yeah, that's what we want to break down a little. Yeah, and what I love about this passage, Tyler, is... Well, and this in other passages, there's a lot of people in the Bible who had doubt. Yeah. And so we can learn how to doubt well from their examples. Mm. All right. And we can also learn what not to do, but we can also learn what to do. So the Bible is not afraid of people doubting. I think we need to clarify that. So let's read about uh, Thomas. All right. So this comes from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his, ha- in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Hmm. Strong statement. Yeah. Verse 26. Eight days later... His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Mm -hmm. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic, that story. Uh, Before moving on to, I want to touch on that. That's also something that people point to a lot is that last statement that Jesus makes where he says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I've heard that used out of context so many times where people are saying, yeah, see, look, Jesus said that people are blessed who have not seen and believed, meaning like Thomas wasn't blessed because he saw him. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there is increased blessing because you have faith. 
and Thomas was provided this tangible evidence. So yep. that's something that's also interesting that I wanted to touch on. But that's the thing. We see that in the story, right? Thomas demanded evidence and he was content. This, this one shocks me. Like I had never thought about this, but he stayed with the disciples for a week yeah. while he was doubting their testimonies that there was a risen Jesus. Yeah. And, and that was crazy to me because it's like, he, he thinks they're crazy. He kind of states that. He doesn't, he won't believe it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he stays with them. And so yeah. that's, what's interesting. He stays with them and he's content with that. However, what's amazing is that because it, he was patient and he stayed with them, that paid off because Jesus himself literally showed up mm-hmm. and gave Thomas physical tangible evidence that he risen from the dead. And what I think is fascinating the way it happened too, it's like uh, that expression that people say like, oh yeah, I'll do that when pigs fly. Right. (laughs) And then, and then a week later (laughs) they see a pig flying by. That's essentially what happened here. Well, yeah, it's the evidence he asked for. Exactly. It's not just some kind of evidence because the disciples testimony is a type of evidence. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the evidence he asked for. It is. I think that's, that's what's shocking because yeah. he says he says he's like until I get to put my own hand in his side and feel the holes in his body, like I won't believe. And that's literally Jesus tells him, "Come feel yeah. the holes." Here yeah. you go, man. Here's so, the evidence so you it's, wanted. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, so once Thomas was confronted with this, he responded by worshiping. Right? That's what happened. He his eyes were open to this. He's like, "Wow, like this is real." Well, well, I mean, I would be convinced too if like the evidence I asked for a week ago was provided right in front of me. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. also again, right? He gets a bad rap, but like you've been hanging out with Peter for a long time, mm-hmm. dude. This guy is kind of full of himself at times, and yeah, he, he yeah. speaks. And so, so like if if these fishermen are like telling you, "Oh yeah, we saw him." Like, yeah, you also told me you caught a fish this big. Yeah, right. Like, right. come on, guys. Like, this is a big deal. People don't just rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so he he demands some actual evidence that this occurred, not just his friend's yeah. word. Right. Right. So I don't I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think all of us, when we have doubts, should ask for evidence. Mm-hmm. I think that that's good. Um, another example in scripture that we can learn about doubt from is John the Baptist. So uh, John the Baptist uh, has doubt, and uh, the best place to talk about it is Luke 7, uh, 18 through 28. So I'm just going to read uh, 18 through 20. Mm. So th- this is still such a crazy passage of scripture to me. So here's what it says, Luke 7, 18 through 20. Summoning two of his disciples, John the Baptist sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Hmm. This is nuts. Yeah. Like this is so embarrassing. Like John the Baptist is the herald. He's, he's the Elijah to come prepare the way. He is the messenger who goes before. He is the guy who said, behold, the lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He is the guy who saw the spirit descending on Jesus like a dove at his baptism. And now he's asking, are you really the guy? (laughs) What happened? Yeah. What's going on here? What went on to cause these doubts in John's mind? Well, We know from the story that John actually got thrown into prison by Herod Antipas. So uh, he really uh, made Herod Antipas upset because he publicly spoke out against Herod's actions. Um, Antipas had actually stolen his brother's wife, Herodias, and married her. His brother was still alive. Mm, like this is yeah. this is bad, right? So in addition to um, being his his half-brother's wife, she also 
was his half niece. That's weird. This the yeah, whole thing go. is a bad scenario. Yep. So John calls this out. This incestuous, um, weird relationship is against the Mosaic law, right? Mm-hmm. And he's calling out this public official saying, you are not following what the law of Moses says. And for him standing up for biblical truth, he gets thrown in prison. Of course he does. Because <laughs> right? why wouldn't he, right? Yeah. yeah. So think about it. He stands up for biblical marriage and he gets thrown in prison for it. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So we think that he was probably in prison between one and two years. So this isn't like a couple of weeks time. Yeah, this is a while. It's a long time. And so he's in prison and you can imagine going, okay, listen, other prophets, they got thrown in prison. Other prophets, they were persecuted, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And then month after month after month passes. And you're going, what, God, what are you doing? Right? Yeah. And then, and here's the thing, when you're in isolation, you start to think, mm-hmm. was I, am I right? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Me, me, what if this Jesus guy really isn't the guy? Yeah. What if, right? And his situation is now dictating to him these thoughts in isolation mm. that are causing doubt. Right. And yeah. he gets to the point where he says, I need you guys to go ask Jesus if he's really legitimate. Is he really the guy? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. not, right? It's fascinating. It's a good, I think it's a good way to, uh, to reach out and in your doubt, right? He's yeah. seeking evidence. He's not, that's the other thing. He's not just festering with it. He's not just letting it sit in. He's telling people, Hey, I'm struggling here. I need help. I yeah. need help. Yeah. Yep. So how does Jesus respond to this request? Uh, so I'm going to read a passage here. Um, oh shoot. don't have the reference. Oh, sorry. It's Luke, uh, seven and that'll be 21. Through okay. Perfect. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to read again, like you said, uh, 21 through 27 it says in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and on many who were blind he bestowed sight and he answered them go and tell john what you have seen and heard the blind receive their sight the lame walk the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me Mm. when john's messengers messengers had gone jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning john what did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Yep, and then he that. quotes Isaiah, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so this is, this is fascinating. Yes. I think where Jesus respond, how he responds, and then what he tells to the crowd, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, being asked this request, he heals the sick, performs exorcisms, and brings sight to the blind, right? That, that's a lot of evidence. It is a lot of so, evidence. So, yeah. He then tells his disciples of John, he's like, hey, go tell John what you just saw. Tell him that I did heal heal the blind and the sick. So what is that right? called? It's called factual evidence. evidence like, yeah, right? That's yeah. exactly what he gave. Yeah. So Jesus thought the remedy to John's doubt mm-hmm. was evidence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he provides evidence that proves he's the Messiah. And that was his goal all along. He wanted John to be reminded of the truth that he knows from Isaiah. Yes. And then uh, verse 28, I love what Jesus says. Mm, he says, yeah. I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Mm. Yet he who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So this is, this is interesting to me because he reminds 
the people that John's great. Yeah, in absolutely. his doubt. Yeah, isn't that, that that's weird? True. He he um, he elevates that in him. He says, "Hey, look, this guy. He's great. He." I love him. He's my disciple. He's a good servant. Like, that's kind of the idea you're getting. He's like, hey, don't question this guy, right? Yeah. He's faithful. Even in yeah. his doubts, he still is faithful. Mm -hmm. I think that that's interesting. Well, that's what you got to think, right? He didn't say, it, like, when he's begging for, like, Jesus to make a response to this, he's not actually, like, really doubting. He's just saying, because he is doubting, but he still has faith. What's really happening is he's saying, look, I'm really throwing my life away for this now. Yeah. And I've realized that I need you to just give me comfort. I need to make sure. Give me, give me assurance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because if you're not the guy, I don't really want to stand up for this. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And we know the rest of the story. What happens to John the Baptist? Well, he dies. Yeah. He has yeah. his head chopped That's off, <laughs> served up on a silver platter. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't really a favorable outcome it, for him. Oh, of course. But Jesus, again, to reiterate, reminds John of evidence that he mm. knows from scripture. Yeah, And I yeah. want to read a couple of these passages. This is so cool. So Isaiah 29, 18 says, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. I'm also going to read uh, Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. It says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Hmm. So Jesus provides the evidence John knew from the Old Testament. Right. Yeah. And then he shows him, I'm doing that stuff Isaiah said I would do. I'm healing the deaf. I'm healing hmm. the blind. I'm setting the captives free. Jesus provides evidence, which like you were saying earlier, would comfort John. Exactly. It's something that's direct to what he was going through. Yep. It's awesome. So, so this story of John the Baptist, I think there's really two important principles that we can glean from this mm. exchange in scripture. The first one is that when we have doubts, so not if we have doubts, when, when we have doubts, expected, okay, yeah. they are expected. The, according to Jesus, the greatest prophet ever had doubts. Yeah. Isn't right. that interesting? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm not that great. I'm probably going to have doubts too. It's, it happens, yeah. So when we have doubts, we need to express mm. our doubts. John didn't let embarrassment keep him from expressing his doubts. Right. So you think about this guy. He had a big ministry. Prior, I mean, his ministry was bigger than Jesus' ministry at one point. Yeah, that's right. All these people are coming out to get baptized by John. They're going out into the wilderness to hear preaching, right? Mm. He had a following. So he is a prominent figure in mm. Israel, yeah. He's kind of like an outside rebel rabbi, I guess, kind of type thing. <laughs> yeah. Now he's in prison, and it's fascinating to me that he didn't let embarrassment keep him from asking about his doubts, which which you'd think, like, I can't let people know I worry. I can't let people, people look up to me. I can't express this. He didn't care about right. that. He wasn't afraid. He was not afraid to express his doubts, and we don't need to be afraid either. Sometimes we think, I can't ask my pastor about this. It'll look like I'm doubting. Well, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I can't ask my parents about this because they'll think I'm not strong in the faith. No, 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 no. Doubts can strengthen our faith. Exactly. According to Jesus, the greatest guy, prophet who's ever lived, doubted. 
Yeah. And he expresses doubt in the face of it being embarrassing. Like mm. he did this publicly. Like his disciples didn't go to Jesus oh, yeah. in private. He's out healing people and they say, hey, John's got a really big question. Yeah, right. right? Are you for real? <laughs> Jesus yeah. goes, uh, just go tell him what I'm doing. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. interesting, right? Yeah. So when we have doubts, we need to take a, a page out of John the Baptist's book and express our doubts to somebody else and right. seek to understand, seek to investigate our doubts and find a resolution to it. Right. And another principle on that is that we need to remember that God is not upset with us when we do express our doubts. Absolutely. You got to look at that too. Jesus was not at all upset when that had happened, right? Uh, Robbie, you just read earlier too, uh, Jesus even said like at the end of that passage that uh, John is great, right? Yeah. He lifted him up for this. He He's like, hey, he is great, a uh, very faithful servant of mine. Um, Jude one twenty two says, have mercy on those who doubt, right? Like God invites our doubts. And yep. th th something else to think about is the real God must be big enough to handle our doubts. He, he has to, based yeah. off of what scripture says, and the powerful God that we are worshiping, he should be capable of handling our doubts if we bring them to him. If he's real, I mean, yeah. can you imagine a God who can't handle our doubts? He's not, he wouldn't be God at that point because he'd be pretty small. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's kind of what we're touching on, right? Though, like it's God welcomes our doubts. He wants he us to bring them to him. He wants us to express that we have these doubts so that we can strengthen our faith through it. And yep. that's what happens constantly throughout scripture, as we've shown in these examples. Um, but that's kind of the thing, right? The remedy for factual doubt, as we've seen through these passages, is good evidence, yes. right? Uh, that's exactly it. Uh, God has left us with tremendous amounts of evidence in every aspect of human life and philosophy, theology, science, biology, literature. And, and that's like kind of what our show is about in general. Yeah. And apologetics is based in intellectual findings and research and evidence for your faith to help with factual doubt, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's a big part of it. Um, and then knowing why you believe what you believe is extremely important when it comes to factual doubt too. That's that's very important. Uh, having a good handle on the Christian faith and the Christ, and in Christian apologetics won't, will not only help you with factual doubt, but it will make you a better witness to the truth and you'll be able to help others when they are in a place of factual doubt. It is. Well, yeah. And the other thing I really like about uh, apologetics and how it bolsters mm. our faith or strengthens our faith is I've got, I mean, again, I don't remember every apologetics argument I've ever studied, right? but I remember a lot of them. Mm. And so I've got this cumulative case of all this evidence in my mind about why God exists, about why the resurrection is true, yeah. about why scripture is reliable and trustworthy, mm -hmm. <clears throat> about um, God's acts of miracles in, in history, yeah. about yeah. like, I've got all of this evidence in my mind and archaeology, right? All this stuff. And so when I come to something that I start to doubt about, right? <clears throat> like there's something I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Sometimes what I do <clears throat> is I'll just compare that one doubt with all the other facts I know. Yeah, right. And that, it's like, okay. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Calm down, Ravi. Don't panic about this. Sometimes that's what happens, right? Some 
evidences and like facts can kind of overpower and overwhelm a little doubt that you might have. Yes. It doesn't mean that you ignore that. Like no, no, you no, should, no, no, You should absolutely look into it. Yep. But it's kind of like, like, I wonder if that's kind of what happened a little bit with, uh, with some of the examples we saw in scripture, oh, like with John right there, maybe, maybe cause it said like, he didn't like throw away his faith right there. So maybe in the back of his head, he's like, you know, God's done a lot of miraculous works in my life. And I've yeah. seen that God, like I, his faith in God was still there, but he's like, but is this really his, is he the Messiah? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So his faith in God was never in question. It was like his faith in Jesus. Like, Hey, is this the guy? That's yep. what it was. And so it's like, sometimes that's kind of what you, you got to go back on is it's like, what is the bigger picture here? Yeah. But your feelings uh, are interesting because you, mm-hmm. you find a little thing to doubt about and it can really throw you emotionally into, yeah, oh man, into a panic, right? So this is why as the church, and I don't mean just as the entity of people who work at a church, right. but as the body of Christ, we have got to provide a place where people can doubt and raise their doubts with each other. Yeah, yeah. And then together we investigate and, and provide good evidence for our doubts. This yeah. is what Christianity is supposed to be. It's not, I, I feel like a lot of times people just ignore their doubts and that is a recipe for disaster. It absolutely is. <clears throat> the reason is this, um, if we have doubts and we just don't investigate them or we don't resolve them, they stay there, right? And we may forget about them for a week or two, but then we'll, we'll be reminded and they'll fester, and they'll wait there, and then um, these doubts begin to pile up in our minds. Mm-hmm. And if we yeah. let them pile up and go unresolved, it causes a huge panic in us, which leads to emotional doubt. Mm, of course, yeah. So, so instead of, hey, I've got this issue, I want to talk about it with some friends, and I want us to look into it together, and then coming to the resolution and going, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, now right. my strength, is, my, my faith is strengthened, when we don't communicate it, it festers and it worries us, mm. and then it turns into emotional doubt. Right. So let's talk about emotional doubt a little bit. Yeah, of course. So emotional doubt is um, probably the most common <clears throat> type of doubt. That's oh, yeah. what happens all the time. Uh, this kind of doubt hurts us, right? It usually is accompanied by worry and anxiety over what if questions, right? Um, these are some questions that I've heard too. People have ask themselves as uh, what if I'm not a, of the elect that you see yep. in scripture or what if God doesn't really love me? Uh, what if I committed the unpardonable sin, right? Yeah. Which we've talked on our podcast, uh, several reasons about like how scripture doesn't line up with these things. But what happens is this emotional doubt stems from unresolved intellectual doubt, right? Yes. It's something that we didn't address that stuck with us and it becomes something that festers inside. Well, and you know what the worst part about this is? Cause I've dealt with so many people who ask questions like this yeah, and it's good yeah. to ask these questions, but they've been thinking about it for six months and in, in bed mm. at night, they're worrying and stressing about yeah. this. So when, when they finally, <clears throat> when the pain gets so big that they raise the doubt, mm-hmm. Um, the intellectual evidence I have from scripture to say, hey, look at all these places that show you haven't committed the unpardonable sin because you can't. Look at all these places that show you can't lose your salvation. Yeah. So I'm providing the factual evidence of here, 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 here. It's an extremely strong case. Mm-hmm. But they've worked themselves up into this emotional state convinced where now the facts true. don't help them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to avoid. So the sooner you can express your doubt... The, the easier it is to resolve with facts. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I have a couple friends of mine uh, 
who something like this happened to them. It's something that where, yeah, like they, they've questioned, uh, their salvation. Sure. They've questioned, uh, their standing with God, things like that. And they're like, oh, what am I doing? But they, they festered on it for so long without talking about it that even once like <clears throat> I would talk with them and walk them through scripture, it was like, no, like I'm still not convinced because they're yep. so stressed out. That's exactly yep. what happens. Cause they ask, well, but okay, Tyler, I hear what you're saying, but what if, no, exactly hear yeah. what I'm saying here. Don't hear what I'm saying. Hear what scripture says, right? Yeah. Like, why aren't you trusting what scripture says at this point? Mm-hmm. And it's because we can, what if ourselves to death? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yep. And, and that's something that you got to focus on. And uh, thankfully, the gospel is very, um, uh, very easy and cut and dry. Yes. <laughs> what you need to do to be saved. So like, thankfully, there's that for your foundation. But still, it's like these doubts, that's what can happen, right? Oh, yeah. All these questions come to mind. Uh, so uh, to kind of um, expand on that a little bit, uh, I, Robbie and I both wanted to share with you guys about times that we had doubts about God and how we investigated them and how they grew our faith. So Robbie, if you wanted to start off there. Yeah, I remember um, <clears throat> one of the times I had like a panic about it. Mm. And it wasn't because I was thinking about it for days. Like immediately when I saw this, in scripture, I was, I freaked, not freaked out, but my heart was pounding pretty right, hard. Yeah. I think I was probably like, <clears throat> man, I must've been like 12 or 13. And, um, I used to be a part of Awana. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Awana. I actually went all the way from like a little kid through high school. So I have the citation. I did it award. all the way. Through. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Right. It's cool. You memorize scripture. So anyways, a part of that program was I had to read the Bible in the four year period of being in high school, you have to read the whole Bible. So they have like a little like check off chapters kind of thing to stay on track throughout the year. So I was doing that. And I remember I was reading in the gospel of Acts, not the gospel of Acts, the book of Acts. And it was about Judas, Judas's death. <clears throat> and I read it and I said, wait a second. I thought Judas died a different way. And then I looked through the gospels and in Matthew, I found another example of how mm-hmm. Judas died. And so I, I just want to read these because um, it's pretty interesting uh, what happens what happens here. So let me read through Matthew 27 verses, uh, verses 3 through 5. So Matthew 27 mm-hmm. verses 3 through 5. Say this. Uh, then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse. And he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to that yourself. (laughs) And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed. And he went away and hanged himself. Okay. All right. So there it is. Judas hanged himself right so that is clear as day um when you read it in uh the gospel of uh of matthew so this is interesting now if you go to acts uh the book of acts there is another example of how judas died and this is uh very Mm. disconcerting to me this is the account this is the account that i read and when i saw this i i I mean, this is where I kind of uh, freaked out a little bit and said, what in the world is is going on here? <laughs> and so this comes from Acts chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 17. I'm mm. um, sorry, verse 16. Um, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas 
who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field was called Hakeldama, that is, field of blood. Yeah. <clears throat> so I read Acts uh, chapter 1, and I'm freaking out because I'm like, wait a second. I know Judas hanged himself, uh -huh. but Acts is saying that he fell in a field and his stomach got cut open and he bled out. Right. That seemed, in my 12, 13-year-old mind, I thought, contradiction. And, dude, my heart starts pounding. And I'm not kidding you. I thought, I have uncovered something no one else has seen in the last 2,000 <laughs> years of Christian history, right? Yeah, like, right, Like, right. as if that were possible. Like, nobody else ever read this. So I didn't know what to do. So I thought about it for a while. And then I thought, I'm going to call my grandpa because he had been a pastor. Right. He knows the word. And in my head, I'm like, he's the expert. So, so I'm doubting. Right, yeah. And I'm thinking, what if Christianity is all sham? What if this, there's this contradiction? So scripture is not supposed to contradict itself. So I'm calling my grandpa. And as the phone's ringing, I remember thinking, I hope I don't ruin his faith. I hope that this isn't. <laughs> I, I, like, that's what I'm thinking, right? Uh, yeah, right. So anyways, he answers. And I say, hey, grandpa, I have a question. So I'm reading, and I explain to him. And he's like, yeah, what's the question? And I said, well, it seems like it's two different stories about how Judas died and they don't match. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Th th there's no problem here, Robbie. <clears throat> he said, think about it. How often do uh, people walk around and then trip and their intestines come out of their body? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that really, I don't think I've ever heard of that happening before. He's like, yeah, because it doesn't happen. And he said, right. but if somebody's hung themselves, and been hanging on a rope for a while, their body gets bloated and starts to decay. And if the rope mm -hmm. breaks or the branch breaks and they fall, they're going to pop. Yeah. Which is, it's gross, but it's true. That yeah. is what happens to people. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so one guy's telling that he did this, and then the other one talks about when he fell on the on the field and, and his exploded, body, yeah. his corpse exploded and, yeah, it bled out. Right. And I'm like, oh. Well, that's not a contradiction. He's like, no, it's not a contradiction. You, you can have both. It's not a problem. And then Luke knew Matthew. It's not like yeah. they don't know each other. Right. So, of course. Uh, again, interesting. But, uh, like, dude, I remember just feeling this this feeling of peace wash over me. Uh, oh, I was so freaking relieved, <laughs> right? Because right, I'd been right, so panicked yeah. about it. But then in investigating it, my doubts were um, abolished. Yeah, right. And I was strengthened in, oh, man, the Bible is consistent with itself. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Have you had a time where you doubted something and then you investigated it? Yeah. For me, it was interesting. Um, a long time ago, it was, I think I was about in eighth grade. I ended up doubting uh, the story of Noah's Ark. Okay. Okay. So that like really blew my mind. I was constantly questioning. I'm like, how did this happen? How is it possible? It sounds pretty crazy. It did. Yeah. And I'm like, in this, at one point, I really thought there's got to be no evidence for this because I haven't heard about it at all. So uh, what I ended up doing is I went with my friend and we decided we were going to write down questions we had. Okay. That's exactly how we did it. We got a notebook and we each went back and forth writing down like facts that we were like, hey, this doesn't make sense. Like two of okay. every animal, how many animals, how big, and then not only that, 
where's the boat? Man, like, so you literally, happened? you made a list I'm not to kidding, investigate? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. I actually That's did a this. great idea. When you have doubts, write them down. Yeah, yeah. And what well, we broke it down. It was like, because my friend was thinking the same thing. He's like, yeah, I haven't really thought about it before. Okay. Because that, to me, is like a, at that age, I was like, that's like one of the most fairy tale parts of the Bible that I haven't been able to comprehend. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So what I ended up finding, I, I just literally did it in an afternoon. Like we literally just, we spent the whole day going online on multiple different resources, uh, searching evidence for the ark essentially. And we found it like we found that, I mean, uh, I just, it blew my mind because I, I was shocked at how it wasn't more public or even like talked around and talked about in the churches often sure. that there was what they had believed to have been. I mean, they can't, they don't have like a thousand percent certainty, but sure. there's pretty good evidence that they found the ark. And so when I was looking at that and seeing the evidence that they found of like traces of animal hair within its mm -hmm. remains, uh, and then like the location of it, it's not like on the top of a really high mountain, yeah, Mount Ararat, which that would make sense Turkey, because yeah. as water levels are lo lowering, of course the boat would go to the nearest like landmass, which would be, well, and it, that's like the mindset. It's also called the same mountain that the Bible says it landed. It on. is. Ararat. Exactly. Yeah, the same. Yeah, exactly. So all these factors came together. <clears throat> Plus like, of course, I, I, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on it. Like we, maybe we should sometime. Yeah, we, that's could, a good idea. we could. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is there just so much overwhelming evidence to me. And I was like, you know, that doesn't seem very far-fetched. Like, really, like, it didn't. And, uh, like, it was very convincing to me. Was it helpful to you that other smart adults yes. had looked into this? Mm -hmm. and, well, really the thing that was helpful to me, that it wasn't either, like, a, like a weird third-party <clears throat> website that I was getting my information from. There were, like, archaeology websites all over. I think there might have even been a National Geographic article oh, on wow, it. Oh, wow, okay. Like, like, tons of stuff. Like, credible uh, sites and sources that we found. Granted, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I was sure. in eighth grade. But I remember it was, like, they were credible, and it blew my mind. I was, and my friends, same thing. Like, it just, it really impressed us. That so. it's even, it's at least a plausible idea. Exactly. It's not a That's fairy That's my point. Tale. I was yeah. like, yeah, like, like, of course, it's... It, it, even if that wasn't the ark, which I believe it is, mm -hmm. it's it the evidence that they found and provided showing like that that ark that they did find meets the criteria of the plausibility of Noah's ark having happened. Yeah. That showed me, hey, it's very possible that it did happen. Even if that's not the ark, this shows that there's a possibility of something that's similar to it out that's there. That's cool. So yeah. that, like, it, all, even though I fully believe, like, yeah, that's probably the ark, it still just blew my mind. That's, that's awesome, what I'm saying. Man. So, well, so that really but you investigated my faith. it. Now, yeah, do, have yeah. you ever wondered like where you would have been at if you just didn't investigate it and you just worried about it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I question that a lot. Um, I mean, like I have questioned that a lot. It yeah. was something that I think, I think I would have let it fester for a while. Yeah. I, it, I wonder that too. Like if I didn't yeah. call my grandpa that, that afternoon when I read that, dude, I don't know what I would have thought. If I, mm. if I was trying to figure it out in my limited understanding of scripture and just trying yeah, to think through it on yeah. my own. So, so the, the picture that we're painting here is we need other people. <laughs> oh, of course. Don't yeah. hold your doubts in. Express your doubts. Like, we yeah. have got to do that. Otherwise, they'll fester and then worry and anxiety yeah, take over. Yeah, You know? Um, another, another time where this happened for me was because um, I grew up being taught, um, like, a young earth creation view. Right. Which, yeah. it, again, I'm not against it. It could be true. 
Sure. I'm kind of at yeah. a point right now where it's like, I don't know if old earth, young earth, revelatory view. There's all these different views, man. And Genesis is super confusing. But every, not everybody, but a lot of the sides act like they know every single detail. And it's like, yeah, oh, but right. what about this? What about this? And there's credibility on all sides. And then there's things that I think are messed with all sides. It's tough. Yeah. <clears throat> but I remember, like, I used to get, like, panicked, like, a, a anxiety feeling when people would talk about, you know, the earth being millions of years old old or mm. you know whatever and then you start hearing christians saying it and i'm like oh, oh no yeah right you're gonna go to hell you know which is not true but dude through investigating and studying uh old earth creation young earth creation revelatory view all this stuff theistic evolution um the coolest thing to me was that i came away with what we believe about creation isn't a salvific issue mm. yeah if you're old earth, That's young true. earth, revelatory, even theistic evolution, that has no bearing on if you go to heaven or not. Mm. It, what you believe about Jesus is what matters, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It, so it like it was kind of weird. Like investigating it helped me to realize there are core doctrines, and then there are open-handed doctrines. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to study the open-handed, and we should study yeah, God's word, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also okay. To go, you know, I don't know about that. I, th there's so many things to look into. Yeah. And to be able to say, but anybody in those four camps can still be a Christian. Yeah. Like that's that right. has brought me tremendous confidence in my faith because I really get, I got to the point of saying, okay, in order for someone to disprove Christianity to me, what do they need to disprove? Mm -hmm. And they have to disprove the resurrection. Yeah. And I think that'd be it. If they could disprove that Jesus rose from the dead, I couldn't be a Christian anymore. And so yeah. the, one of the things that a good argument has is that it is falsifiable, is that it is something you could disprove. It's possible. Of course, yeah. And if somebody could disprove the resurrection, Christianity is false. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely it. And it, so it really everything hinges on that. It's fascinating yeah. how studying creation science bolstered my faith. Hmm. because of the strong evidence we have for the resurrection. It's kind of a weird, yeah. but it did. Like, so the doubts I had or the panic I'd have about that has actually strengthened my faith in a lot of ways and even hmm. helped me in my uh, evangelizing to atheists to the yeah, point where, you know, we've course. said on the show, if, if an atheist brings up evolution, I go, okay, like, let's say I grant you evolution. Yeah. Because I know a lot of Christians who believe in mm -hmm. theistic evolution. What does that prove? Does that prove atheism? It doesn't prove atheism. No, no. But a lot of a lot of them think it does. I've had I know. lots of people over my lifetime say that it does. It's kind of silly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't prove atheism at all. Um, so it's even helped me in in showing people the truth of Christianity. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's fascinating when we when we begin to investigate our doubts or to doubt our doubts we can really strengthen our faith. Yes. And that is the point. And that's that's what we wanted to share with you guys today. Yeah, just how how strengthening our faith can come through doubts. And God's mm. not afraid of our doubts. God invites our doubts. He's big enough to handle them, but but we do need to express them yeah. when we have yeah. them. So if you guys have doubts, talk to other strong believers in your life mm -hmm. about them. Um, investigate it through, you know, apologetics ministries. If you've got some major doubts in your life, send us a message through any of yeah, our right. Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And we'd love to talk about your doubts because we want to be here to investigate together and be a community that doubts mm, together, yeah. but also seeks resolutions together. Of course. Yep. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Tyler, this was fun. Yeah, this was very fun. And just a reminder for you guys, again, uh, Robbie's leaving. And so yes. if you guys could go ahead and 
and please, uh, we have posted his fundraiser link. If you could go and uh, give to that, we would really appreciate it because he needs your guys' help. So make sure you go I and do, do that. Um, but anyways, other than that, thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. And we will see you soon with another episode. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee.